across the nation on RadioHarrow.org and on your smart speaker, recorded from a secret bunker in Ealing Broadway. This is a review. Hello, this is David Stone. This is Ian Stone. Uh, This is a review. During lockdown times, we have been reviewing lots of telly shows because that's all we're doing at the moment. If you're furloughed or if you're working from home, actually, I guess I guess if you're working from home, you should be working really. But there you go. But we are having a lot more time to review shows and watch shows and watch telly and watch other things. We've reviewed some crazy things. We've reviewed the Tiger King. We reviewed Mm -hmm. WrestleMania, which, to be honest, let's face it, was a slog. So why don't you enlighten? (laughs) Why don't you enlighten the dear listener to what your brilliant idea was for us to review this time around? Well, speaking of slogs, oh um, god, yeah, I know. (laughs) Um, so this is Star Wars Episode One. The Phantom Menace. I'm actually proposing we review all of the Star Wars, and by all of the Star Wars, I mean all of the films. And <laughs> but there's like maybe the Mandalorian. There are. Um, well, actually, I was thinking about this when I was kind of going through how we would how we would go through this odyssey of Star Wars. Um, I hadn't quite appreciated that now. There's nine main films plus the two. Um, I guess spin-offs. But I think um I think we should revisit Star Wars in timeline order and finally decide which is the best of the Star Wars and which is the worst of the Star Wars. I'm going to tell you now if they're all like this then there's absolutely no chance I'm watching them all. I'll maybe <laughs> I'll maybe watch one more and decide, but my god, the slog I've... of all slogs is watching Star Wars episode 1. The Phantom Menace, and luckily for the dear listener, we watched it so that they don't have to. Because despite the fact that it was an absolute slog for me, I have got a lot to say, and I've got pages and pages of notes to go with this review. So I yeah. think this might be the most in-depth review we've done. So can I shall I explain some of the motivation as to why I was kind of interested in revisiting? Yeah, um, if if you wish <laughs> these films and 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 specifically this film and the other prequels so <laughs> i've noticed um in the aftermath of the uh, recent sequel trilogy that on the internet there's been a fair amount of kind of online prequel revisionism um where people are starting to say things like so that the prequels have been slammed um by the universe um pretty much since their release for being a bit rubbish nothing like as good as the original star wars trilogy um, and that's kind of been like accepted wisdom for a long time however i'm starting now starting to notice every time i kind of go onto youtube and i feel like searching for something star wars related um i'm starting to see people saying that actually i don't think the prequels are that bad actually i think the prequels are better than the sequels etc etc and i think where this is coming from is um, I think it's mainly coming. My hunch is it's coming from people in their early twenties who literally grew up with the prequel trilogy, um, and so they've got this childhood nostalgia for the prequels. And I just want to see whether there is anything in that, whether there is actually something to be loved about the prequels 
um and whether you know what what they how good are they in the cold light of day um in 2020 well um can i tell yeah. you there is no way you know understanding the world more now uh, more than what i did obviously as a child this it makes this film a hundred times worse if anything it's just so <laughs> so so boring the amount of times on my notes i wrote the word boring is ridiculous i don't think i've ever been so bored in lockdown and i've been stuck in the house for what was it two and a half months i was just so bored. so i tell you what for a change because i know i normally let you start and get into it but can i for once start this because i want to go straight into the very literally the first second of this film can i quickly so i will just want to get my one view quickly out there um and i will actually go a bit further than you so i kind of understand to a degree the rose tinted spectacleness of this because um when this came out 1999 i was oh god was it 90 I... going on oh. 13 so i was older than i thought yeah oh, yeah okay cool yeah um and so i was kind of sort of just touching that demographic where you know you could say like this would be like my first real experience of star wars but it wasn't my first experience of star wars was about two or three years previously um with the 1997 uh special editions of the original trilogy yeah watching them back on vhs um, yeah yeah and even as a 13 year old i knew <laughs> this film was boring and rubbish <laughs> and not a patch on the original trilogy and as soon as i saw it i suddenly I remember watching it the first time and suddenly thinking, oh, I really hope episode two is better. Um, and not to spoil episode our episode two review when we eventually do it, but um, <laughs> I think episode two may be worse than this. But we, I, we're, I'm I getting ahead of myself now. I think we actually have so, to, like, as much as I hate to say it, I think we kind of have to review episode two. May I start the review? Yes, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> so the reason I said this from I want to review this from the very first second is because I just wanted to read a little something, okay? So, okay, I think I know what you're going to read, <clears> but can't. <laughs> a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Turmoil has engulfed the Galactic Republic. <laughs> the taxation oh, of trade routes to outlying star systems is in dispute. <laughs> Hoping to resolve the matter with a blockade of deadly battleships, the Greedy Trade Federation has stopped all shipping to the small planet of Naboo. While the Congress of the Republic endlessly debates this alarming chain of events, the Supreme Chancellor has secretly dispatched two Jedi Knights, the Guardians of Peace and Justice in the Galaxy, to settle the conflict. Ian, the reason I wanted to read the opening crawler from Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace to you, is for this reason. Nothing hooks you better into the film, into any film, than <laughs> talk of taxation and shipping routes. <laughs> what? <laughs> what a hook! What a hook! Oh my God, that ten-year-old boy! I could, I could see myself looking through my past ten-year-old eyes, thinking. 
oh yes i can't wait to see this star wars film it's gonna be all about <laughs> politics yes i can't wait this is so exciting oh i can't wait to see what happens with the shipping routes oh no i hope they don't get redirected due to the federation my god oh what what are these jedi knights going to be doing and it, i thought to, i thought to myself as i read this blurb my god um am i just gonna now be watching a film of parliamentary discussion through this like cobra meetings <laughs> on on film is this what i'm now going to be watching is this going to be my entertainment for the next two hours and 11 minutes and yes it was two hours and 11 minutes and when i thought i was halfway through with this film i realized i was only <laughs> a third of the way through and in fact i had two thirds of this drivel to go <sighs> so two two points uh first one is fairly minor um <laughs> kids don't read the opening crawl so they'll be even more confused by this well film. i couldn't keep up Having... with it when i was 10 <laughs> no um secondly my on my notes i have put here the opening crawl sums up the movie um because yeah you <laughs> you kind of think oh turmoil is in golf galaxy republic oh boy i hope there's not too much trouble ahead this is going to be an exciting movie and then it immediately goes into taxation of trade routes. <laughs> um it's not the the kind of uh, uh backdrop slash you know uh, narrative that you expect from a star wars film i think no, that's the first thing it's meant to be all it's, action yeah i could imagine if written well aimed at the correct audience which would be a mature audience not kids which this film is clearly aimed at kids because you have jar jar binks and and all the other wackiness and it was well written and coherent which this definitely, <laughs> definitely isn't you could you could have you know an interesting political thriller set in a star wars universe i could imagine it if you yeah if you're gonna do a spin-off of Star Wars as yeah. a political a courtroom a, I don't even know, a, a courtroom, courtroom drama, drama based film. in the Star Wars universe great but this is meant to be this is meant to be the start of the whole saga this is going to be yeah. the like this is meant to be the start of the birth of Darth Vader I'm like oh my god how did that guy get to be so evil and start blowing up planets and stuff now, so I think I think the only way we can tackle this Ian because we have to really is that we've got to go chronologically which is why i started with the opening crawler okay so i'll take us a little further whilst we're here right we've started with the thrill ride yeah. of the opening crawler knowing that we've got two and a two and a bit hours of taxation and shipping and politics yeah. to go so <laughs> we start off with our first scene with liam neeson and ewan mcgregor arriving at like a ship which is owned by the federation they're not there to yeah. you know start some action or anything they're turning up to have trade discussions my god if that crawler didn't <laughs> if that crawler didn't hook me in i can't wait to watch this trade discussion they're about <laughs> to have to settle the issue but, this film's going to get sorted straight away but david the the trade negotiations never take place because because of the um, action viceroy <laughs> viceroy yeah gumray and his lackey whose name i can't remember um are scared of the jedi so they try to um distract them and then ask their their dark master lord sidious um what to do and he just said kill them so they then do to gas 
Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan <laughs> to death. Okay. But Qui-Gon so... Jinn and Obi-Wan, yeah, hold their breath. And uh, because they're Jedi, they have superpowers, they're able it's... to do this. And <laughs> so when the plan. droids are sent in, Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan leap into action and then begin what I can only describe as um, Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, you know, opening the film of chopping up robots with lightsabers, the movie, <laughs> which so... they do quite a lot. In this in this opening five ten minutes, every problem with the movie becomes clear. First of all, the boring trademarks, uh, trademark the boring trade talks, tick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the <laughs> the terrible acting from accomplished actors, tick. And thirdly, the hideous, hideous disgusting racial stereotypes that, that are given to these characters like every race in this has to be given a horribly hammy accent of a certain nation on planet earth starting with the federation whatever aliens they are with their terrible stereotyped chinese accents like Oh, you, you know, it's just every problem with yeah. this film straight away. The closest thing to villains as you kind of get in this film, because that's another problem. There's no, you kind, you 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 kind of know who the main villain is, but it's not really clear. Oh, oh, we'll and get into kind of that. We'll get sort into of, that. Sort of villains. They're very, they're very much like bumbling, incompetent morons who, I just. I'm kind of surprised they can run a, a trade a, a trade company, to be honest with you. I'm not quite sure h- how that works um, and why they're... It's never clear to me exactly why they want to... There are like taxation problems with this planet and thus they want to invade it because that will help them with their problems. It's It's very confusing. I'm not quite sure what their motivations are. Well, so, okay, like... Part, part, you know, there's comic relief for children in this film, which we'll get on later. But this film is meant to be aimed. <laughs> oh, boy, is there? This this film is meant to be aimed at people of, you know, a wide range. It's a family film, essentially, right? Ten years old, I did not the understand the politics of what was going on, why this politics was so important in to the whole plot of the film. <sighs> Twenty years later. I am still none the wiser. What the hell is going on with these policies? It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Yes, I get there's something to do with high taxation and blockades on shipping routes and everything else. But as you said, I have no idea what the motive of these people are, are is, why they've come to it, and why why all of these planets are in such in such a big dispute with each other in the first place. I literally, 20 years on, have no clue what the hell is going on. And so it's just, as we will see as the movie goes on, it's just talking, then a bit of action, then talking. And, oh, oh well, I'll have more to say on it later. This. Just so you're aware, folks out there in the universe, you are listening to This Is A Review. And Ian Stone, my brother who is with me on the line, I am David Stone, by the way, thought it'd be a great idea to review Star Wars Episode 1, The Phantom Menace. And as I said at the start of the show, we are watching this... We we have watched this film 
so that you don't have to. So hopefully you'll be entertained by a review. But if you've listened to the first 10 minutes of the show or 10, 15 minutes of the show, you already know what direction this is going and how low the rating is going to be. Ian, can, oh, you, please, can you please take us into the next stage of this? So having... Um... Having tried to murder the, the two Jedi, um, they then go around chopping up robots, um, you know, in fairly unexciting action scenes, to be honest, because Very the, unexciting. Pose, the, 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 droid, the battle droids pose absolutely no threat to them whatsoever. To anyone, um, to, absolute, so... to absolute idiots, they, put, <laughs> they prove to be no threat. <laughs> they're, the kind of, they're the kind of droids, but, well, every every... <laughs> Every bit of victory, every sense of victory in this film is down to dumb luck. I revealed that spoiler early, but it is. You can literally, yeah. you can you can be looking the wrong way with your pants around your ankles, blindfolded, and you would defeat these droids at a battle. Anyone could. Yeah. You don't. Have to, anyway, I, I I have my views on the on the victories later on. Yes, that uh, and like <laughs> they're broadly in line with what you're just saying. Yeah. Um. And so, um, so Obi Wan Kenobi and Qui Gon Jinn, or to use their real names, Liam Neeson and uh, Ewan McGregor. Yes, as we shall refer to ships. them forevermore. Stow aboard separate ships um, and land on the surface of the planet, which is called Naboo. Um, yeah. And this is when we are introduced to Jar Jar Binks. And I forgot how early Jar Jar Binks appears and how little time um, we have in the movie without being kind of um assaulted with his presence um no real introduction it's just Qui-Gon ru was running it, it looked like the lost world star wars at one point it really reminded me of that film this scene because it's just like weird creatures running about and Ewan McGregor yeah. and Liam Neeson just running for their dear lives while these ships come and then Liam Neeson runs into Jar Jar Binks you don't really delve into the depths of this character get introduced to him this is the this is the character. This is what you're getting for the whole film. Enjoy the ride. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy the ride, guys. I also noted like how much. This is the first time I noted how intrusive the CGI was in this film. And spoiler alert for the future reviews. But in the prequels, this intrusive CGI is only going to get worse. Oh, it's um, only going to get actually more. probably at its least. It's at its least intrusive in this one because there are at least some uh, puppets. And and you know there's there's there are some tangible aliens in this film. Yeah. Uh, compared to some of the later films where it's just all CGI. You know you've basically got you and McGregor acting in front of a green screen for the entire film. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, so we're introduced to. Do you have no strong feelings on Jar Jar, or are you just going to kind of go into well, Jar Jar? We'll later? we'll get, we'll get into him later. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the only thing I noticed, so when they go to like his underwater city and we, um, where um, we're informed that Jar Jar Binks has been banished for being a moron because the Gungans have some sense. Um, yeah. I didn't and, know and, that and... gone. Well, I was just going to say, yeah, um, straight away we're introduced to this race of people, if you like, how they're in, how Jar Jar is in big doo-doo this time. Like, <laughs> doo-doo, kids. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> they have lots of sayings like that, and they they seem, they seem to speak, yeah, with 
if this like weird again again weirdly i think at the time it was kind of criticized as being a bit slightly racist towards um Car- uh, people from the caribbean because they're kind of mocking a kind of caribbean accent a bit yeah so we've um, had chinese stereotypes and uh caribbean stereotypes yep. in the first yep. 20 minutes of this film yep yep um their plan i mean i can't quite remember i think they just went under the city to kind of get away from the invading army of useless um droid robots. never really explained um, never really soldiers. explained yeah um and uh jar jar is immediately captured well they're immediately kind of like apprehended because jar jar has been banished uh, for being clumsy um and they're brought before boss nass or as i like to call him by his real name yeah brian blessed brian playing boss nass yes uh, <laughs> i mean he basically is um, brian blessed so it's all a bit um it's all a bit cliched really like that they're, they're they're kind of like the more native they're, they're like the native tribe from this planet who you know don't like the outsiders and they don't like the you know the wealthy um natalie portmanites who live um who live like above the water you're getting a um, lot more from what you watched than i am i just got like a load of weird aliens talking absolute nonsense i i'm glad you yeah got... i mean <laughs> I mean, there's there's one point where, where um Obi Wan has like an exchange with with him where he's trying to say like oh you have to care about this invasion of the of the Naboo because um, you're part of a symbiotic circle you must understand this and I kind of realised that hmm you McGregor hasn't made a single cogent argument there like you haven't explained why his people ought to care about the Naboo and why this invasion affects them um, this is the first point at which I noted that Qui-Gon seems to repeatedly fail to <laughs> spare us all the pain of Jar Jar Binks and not get rid of him he, Jar Jar Binks follows him around the entire film and Qui-Gon is, has opportunities to get rid of him at multiple opportunities oh, oh, this is God, the most I... obvious one okay yeah a little um, bit later in the film I've got some more to say on that go on there's like a fairly boring kind of um it's bongos it was like a like a submarine they send away it's called a bongo for some reason yeah um, why not? they get chased by a few giant fish nearly which, get eaten which lasts forever no which lasts forever by the way which is a common theme in this <laughs> film every scene has to last forever it's ah oh, it, like it's as if you're not bored it's... after five <clears throat> minutes of it it goes on for an extra 20 every single scene in this oh my god you think oh yes we're getting a bit of action with fish but it gets so boring so quickly oh my <laughs> oh my yeah, god I mean, <clears throat> they um they speed away they get to the capital i think at some point there must be a cutaway to um queen amadala and her ridiculous wardrobe yes there, there, um, there... And facial makeup. <laughs> um... there, there is because there's a note that i've written in between this which just says here come the nazis <laughs> which is which is when the invasion starts of the uh the city or whatever yeah and i also um... wrote a note uh which just says holby city to just to point out the guy uh, who is no, in it, I, who is it from Holby City, whose name I can never remember. So he yeah, he mean, forevermore I, in this review shall be known as Holby City. Um, I mean, I've got that exact same note. So Captain Panaka, aka that guy you recognise from Holby City. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I've got that note down as well. Yeah. Um, Jar Jar Binks, Qui Gon, and Obi Wan um, appear. Qui Gon and Obi Wan again kind of chop up some robots with lightsabers. Um, and they then kind of rescue some pilots from a hangar and and escape the planet with um the, the queen and holby city man and some random pilot guy yeah 
Um, so at some point here, their hyperdrive op- generator is broken. Oh, that's right. So at some point here, they get that we have a scene on the ship where I've put that. Oh, now Natalie Portman has turned into Kira Knightley because at some point on the ship, the switch, the big, the big switcheroo happens, and <laughs> the Queen. It's has... actually a switch. I never noticed yeah, there, that. There, there, so I, I, I it was I, Kira Knightley the whole time, but. No, I noted the switch. I noted the switch because there's a bit where they're talking before the Nazis come, as I'm calling them, and uh, and it's Natalie Portman having the conversations about the treaty or whatever's going on. Wow. And then they skip to the scene where the Queen is on the ship, and they're like, she's like in a throne room on the ship for some reason. Everyone's surrounding her, and she's now Kira Knightley talking for some reason. Which is, I wanted to yeah. get onto this point because then there's a point where Kira Knightley is ordering natalie portman around she literally goes and says my handmaid will go and clean up this hero droid for me which is r2d2 so yeah it must be after the hype oh, drive gets exploded. Get yeah so anyway yeah, yeah. Well, well i've skipped ahead a bit but there's a bit where she orders the actual queen to go and clean something and i'm like my God, she's she's getting sacked, isn't she? Like, unless she's been specifically told. This is what I don't get with the Kira Knightley character in this, right? When she's like appearing as the queen to be a decoy, is she being given a script by Natalie Portman to to say what she needs to say? And so the script was, oh yeah, now order me about because this sounds like it's taking a lot of pointless preparation just to not be spotted. Plus. Like, if you just looked a little bit close, yes, they look quite similar at that age, but it's quite obviously not the same woman if you look, like, for yeah. more than two seconds. Yeah, I d- and, like, also, the woman, like, it's quite... Ob- the, the handmaid is quite obviously the woman who was the queen because she's got the same bloody face. <laughs> it's like, it's... How, how are these people so thick but they're not putting two and two together? Like, oh, hang on, isn't the handmaiden the same... Is it her twin? Or I oh, ugh. anyway, it's um, yeah, it's it's, it's all a bit ham-fisted the whole decoy thing. I don't really understand the point of it. It's it's a bit um, because it does kind of come out of nowhere at the end as well. If you hadn't noticed ugh. the switcheroo, I've been shouting for this whole oh, review, right. by the way. I've been shouting. The other thing I was going to say was the the introduction of R2-D2. In this film, there are, and this is a problem with the prequels as well, um, the other prequels as well, it's like there's a lot of pointless origin stories that we just didn't need. We didn't need R2-D2 to be so intimately connected to this trade dispute. Yeah, (laughs) and they're all so brilliantly um, linked together as well. Like, oh, it all wrapped up in a nice little package. Oh, C-3PO was actually built by Darth Vader? Oh, how terribly convenient. And then he shows up. Yeah, that's... Oh, anyway. That's just... that's That one is all the more ridiculous, I think. I mean, (laughs) at least the R2-D2 is kind of... One is kind of thematic in that, well, he is like a ship repair droid, so he must have come from a ship from somewhere. This is a review. If you're listening... If you're still listening to what's turned into the Ian and David shouty show, I've literally been shouting this entire... I'm so angry at this film for some reason. <laughs> I'm just so... Like, it's, uh... it was li- it, like, when people say it was like a moment of their life wasted, this was over two hours of my life, which I could have been doing something more, something more productive, honestly. Like, I can't believe it. Anyway, people, you are listening to This Is A Review. If you hadn't 
already noticed we're reviewing Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace because no other thing to review could possibly make me this mad. So, Ian, let's as I said, let's go to Tatooine. Let's let's get let's get the next long slog of this film, the next long, boring section of this film over and done with. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they land on Tatooine and we're introduced to Watto, who owns two slaves. Um, Shmi Skywalker and Anakin Skywalker, who is Darth Vader. I will um, actually, I will say the one positive thing I took from this movie <laughs> at this point, this is when I noticed it, how impressive Liam Neeson's wig was. It was amazing. It was just a great piece of, <laughs> it was a great piece of movie makeup. I thought you were going to be, I thought you were going to be genuine there because um, I will say the soundtrack in this, the, 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 um, the score, well, like the score, the movie score. Yeah. Yeah. The movie score in this film is very good. So we kind of journey from uh, trade discussions to um, um, a, a useful <laughs> life skill, which is illustrated in this, which is bartering for a spare part <laughs> for broken down vehicles. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. If, if, it doesn't if you, go well. For if you long. weren't excited, if you weren't excited by the trade dispute, get ready for some good old fashioned shopping. That's what we need to make this film more exciting. Um, oh, let's watch. Let's watch a Jedi go around the shops and try to get a shit part. Goody. Let's 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 get this this fictional version of going to the mechanic done. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, t- show me more of this film. And speaking of giving this film more credit than it deserves, because um, my um, my my uh, my line on 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 Anakin in this is Anakin equals obnoxious. Um, in that annoying, um, it's a problem with a lot of like kids in these kind of films where he's like the perfect child who bails everyone out and outsmarts everybody, and it just makes him. It doesn't make you want to emph- as a child. If you were a child, you wouldn't want to emphasize him. You just find him really irritating. But my question to you, David, is like, should um, child star Fader be likable, question mark? Or is he intentionally annoying as a foreshadow for how annoying um, young Luke Skywalker also is in Star Wars Episode Four: New Hope? Or I'd... do you think it's just really poorly written and poorly acted? And you can tell that George Lucas doesn't like doing second takes. Well... It's funny because you almost convinced me with that Luke Skywalker spiel you just gave me there. And then I realized, oh, hang on. No, this movie is just bad. The script is bad. Everything about it is bad. There's no chance they gave more than two thoughts to the character development of this child. They just gave it a script and just said, say, say the words, which is why some of the words in this film are said in the manner that they are. E.g., they're all said by well, they all could have been said better by planks of wood. Quite frankly, um, God, I sound yeah. so angry. I'm so I'm, um... I shouldn't be so angry at this. But God, um, <laughs> no. no notes from the first sort of impressions we get of Anakin and the shopping scene uh, was because uh, if you haven't, if you can't, quite can't, gone go shopping. If you can't already tell. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't already tell dear listener by this point in the movie i'm already fed up i'm so fed <laughs> up of watching this absolute boring rubbish absolute boring pish i mean right <laughs> so at this point and then they start introducing an alien language in which i've put the notes in giant exclamation marks oh great reading that's all i bloody need in this film is more some reading to do i'm so bored but now they're making me read the boring subtext which all in all, is not important whatsoever because this film is such a terrible bore. Ugh. Right. Yeah. Okay. You you go on. <laughs> I go on. 
Um, so, uh, oh, so actually, no, 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 no. I'm going to stop it. I'm going to interrupt you again because, right, before before any of this as well, they like there's a bit where Holby City says the Queen has ordered to you ordered you to take her handmaid because she is interested about yeah. the planet, etc. The handmaid being the Queen, so the handmaid has ordered Holby yeah. City to make her go. Right, so great. Okay, yeah. it's quite gone. And Holby City going to explore, right? <laughs> so, so why then? <laughs> why? I get it. Okay, I get it. Qui Gon is the Jedi, right? He's the protector. He has to go and do all the shopping and stuff, and make sure on a on a hostile planet. Yeah. The the Queen is the Queen. She can do whatever she likes. She can go and explore the planet she wants. So why is the third yeah. member of the party Jar Jar Binks? <laughs> of, of what benefit? Of what benefit was Jar Jar Binks? Why on earth was he going? There's no explanation to why he's taken with them in the first place. It's just like, oh, maybe you're maybe you're right here. Maybe Qui Gon was trying to get rid of him. It's just Qui Gon was just extremely bad at getting rid of him. Because I cannot think of any fathomable reason why Qui Gon would take this imbecile on on a shopping expedition into this ho- on this hostile planet. What, especially how long it took in the end. My God, it's the longest bloody shopping trip ever that they go on because of all the racing and the gambling and stuff. But why on earth are you taking charge of it? You know, you know he's only going to be a hindrance. You know he's an idiot. Why? You know he got exiled from his own bloody community because he for reasons the reason the only reason being that he's an idiot. So why are you taking him? Why are you taking him when you could possibly get murdered and he's only going to make your chances of getting murdered ten times worse? Why? This, um... <laughs> this, um... You, calm down, Phil. Okay, calm down. This was, um, oh, Qui-Gon's second wasted opportunity to ditch Jar Jar Binks quietly. Um, so we have to be subjected to Jar the interaction between Jar Jar Binks and a random droid that and he, he at one point he's in the junk shop and he's like juggling what look like um you know you know like old fashioned cameras like film containers that you'd have the, the, the photo film in. Um and he's got one in his mouth. He then attempts to steal food from, you know, a guy who looks like just an honest market stall trader and then quite rightly, um you know, when he spits the food in someone else's face, they try to beat the crap out of him, um, only for him to be rescued by Anakin. Thanks, Darth Vader. Just another one of the many crimes that you um, have committed on the universe. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I just don't know why Qui-Gon tolerates his his, his presence for so long. Is, is, is Qui-Gon, Qui-Gon, spoiler alert, Qui-Gon's like, Qui-Gon is not long for the world at this point. Oh, um, God. But would he have had to put up with him for the rest of his life? Because clearly, like, you, you know Jar Jar was trying to, like, get in with um, Obi-Wan at the end of the film. And Obi-Wan was like, stay away, buddy. Do you know um, what? Do you know what I'm gonna anyway. like? I I know I know it's not good for soundproofing, like. But don't forget, we're at home recording these shows. Uh, there's no aircon in this house. I'm gonna have to open a window. Like, it, I don't care if the sound quality. Like this, this, <laughs> this show has yeah. made me so. <laughs> what? Take us to the next stage. I'm just opening a window. So, in order to get the parts for their ship to get off the to get off the planet, um, as David kind of described before, there's a series of gambling and death-defying um, 
F-Zero style racing that needs to happen. Um, it just so happens that Anakin is gifted with um, racing these uh, very fast kind of hovercraft. Oh, God, um, right. So, okay. <clears throat> and they bet on Anakin winning the race. Um, yeah, so hang, on, hang, on, hang 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 on. So they've picked up, they've picked up another, another passenger. Great, Anakin. Great. Pathetic life form, as Obi Wan describes him. Oh, great, great. My my life just got ten times (laughs) better at at this stage of the film. My life got ten times better. Great. Now they've picked up Anakin. Fantastic. Right. So at this point, we get well. You you fast forwarded to the pod raising, but I was opening a window, so I don't know if you covered this. But at some point between the shopping and the travelling to. uh, Anakin's home, we got his first doozy of a line, which was sandstorms are very, very dangerous. Acting! Brilliant. Okay, so then there's, we... There's a lot of that. There's also um, there's also the kid who wants to play ball and Oh, God, no, 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 yeah, yeah, well. yeah, yeah, well, well, hang on, I haven't even got that far yet, my God. I mean, um, so I'll be honest, say, at this point, I was mainly spending my time thinking, when I first was thinking, like, when's Darth Maul going to arrive? <laughs> because Darth so, Maul was the be- only thing. Before that, we did get a, a brief glimpse of Darth Maul. We have had a glimpse of Darth Maul already in this film. Yeah. He appeared in like a... Anyway, but that's that's by the by. So, okay, so... I, I don't even know where to begin. Right, so... They, they've gone. They've gone to his. Uh, I tell you what. Let's take a quick break and we'll get back to this. 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 This is a review. Hello, welcome back to this is a review. I am David Stone. I'm joined here with my brother Ian Stone. I am absolutely boiling Hello. hot. <laughs> I am boiling hot because we've been reviewing Star Wars Episode One, The Phantom Menace, and it's just made me so angry. Do not watch this film, people. Please do not watch this film. And we will get we got to the scene where they've just been introduced to Anakin Star Skywalker. I won't give you the spoiler, but who he turned out to be. Oh, you should all know by now. And we just had his first first piece of epic, epic acting. So they're in his house. <laughs> right. <laughs> They're in his house and he's having a conversation with Natalie Portman. The early sparks of love. We missed we, we, we missed the, the, his first line to Natalie Portman, which is, are you an angel? Oh, my God. What <laughs> that a line. Was his first part. What that a was line. his first point, part of epic acting. What a creep. Which you missed. <laughs> What an absolute creep. Oh, you've just met this. I, I know on. you're I know you're like five years old, but you just met this woman and the first thing you say to her, you're an angel because you're so beautiful. I've heard these stories like Oh my god, seriously. Like if I were Natalie Portman, I would run he's, ten thousand miles the other direction. He's trying quite hard, isn't he? But we, we know he we know Atkin has no game from the later films. Oh so. my god, no. Um. Oh god, he's got less <laughs> he's got I, I, I like again I'm I'm he surprised has less he can, game in the later <laughs> oh, I mean, this is a, that's an excellent point about Anakin Skywalker, right? He's he's meant to be this super amazing best Jedi ever of these super reflexes, and he doesn't even have basic social skills. So God knows how he's able to well. do all these other amazing things. But anyway, so we're, we're in his house. This show is going to go on forever and ever, isn't it? My God, we're in his, <laughs> we're in his house, right? And uh, 
he's introducing Natalie Portman to C-3PO, who for some reason he built. We get a classic bit of C-3PO <laughs> R2-D2 banter, which we, Again, de- which we definitely it... needed in this film. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm talking all over you in your show here, but I'm just so, so mad. <laughs> so we, we Go get an- on. We get another one of these scenes where... Um, it's another boring, long, boring conversation <laughs> over a boring, boring dinner table where, oh, what what did we find out here? Um, oh, but basically they want to send this child to slaughter. Their, their only hope is this tiny child can win this race for their part so they all don't die. Great. Yeah, but so, David, Qui- no, but, no, Qui-Gon no, no. gave him a... Me- okay. Quagon gave him a blood test. Okay, no, that's later on. That's, that's off the charts. That's later on. In that's later on. That's later on. Right. So Quagon, Quagon, okay. <laughs> like so. <laughs> odd. So so Quagon says, and Anakin basically volunteers himself to do this race so that they can win enough. They can win the part for their ship, etc., etc., etc. Okay, and Quagon's like the mother is like objects to it straight away. So like, no, Annie, I hate it when you do those races. It's so dangerous. And Quiagon goes, thank you for the gesture, Annie, but your mother's right. And then, and then they, Natalie Portman basically asks the mother, oh, is there any other way, etc.?" And then the mother on the complete 180, all of a sudden being so concerned that her child's going to die in this pod race is now suddenly, oh, actually, you should definitely do it because he's the only way you're going to get off this planet. <laughs> like, great. So that mother, that mother's like, she's, oh, I don't even want to say, but she's, you know, she's, she's completely off a rocker then if, <laughs> if that's what she's doing. And then quiet gone who moments before said, your mother is right. It's just like fine with it. He's like, great. Yeah. Let's throw this child to slaughter. And then they're all in agreement. Yes. We will send this child to his death in the small, with the small possibility that we might win a race. Excellent. So from being so, cons- dispute. <laughs> so, so from being so concerned about him, literally two seconds earlier, they're now so so for this child going into this deadly race like complete 180 all over and they were just like all jolly again and happy like oh great we're gonna win this race now fantastic well done well done guys excellent excellent movie making also turns out that Qui-Gon is a bit of a compulsive gambler himself because he not only (laughs) (laughs) gambles the ship itself he then decides actually well Rotto, I'll take your bet that you think Saboba's going to win. Uh, we'll throw in our ship too. And and actually, let's throw in the fates of this um, mother and child as well. Uh, if, 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 if the boy survives and wins the race, <laughs> then I get to free one of them. Which, for all, Watto... intents of, for all intents and purposes, by the way, his survival has been put at a very small percentage. It's been made quite clear to us yeah. at this point. But he's never, <laughs> fin- he's never finished a race. He's... <laughs> and then so, so Qui-Gon puts more faith in him and says, yes, I think he's definitely going to. So is Qui-Gon cheating? What's going I don't. I don't get it. Du- everything that happens in this film is dumb luck, don't forget, as I've already explained. So... Well, God there, there are portions. So there are portions of it where Qui Gon is using the Force to a degree. Like he's um, <coughs> he uses the Force to like when he throws that cube and he directs it so it definitely lands on Anakin. And and um, even though um, Watto doesn't notice, but um, of course Jar Jar is a wily old fox and he sees what he sees what um, Qui Gon's done. And he has a wry smile on his face when it lands on the boy because we know he's the real Sith Lord behind. All this. <laughs> 
Oh, God. <laughs> the internet is to be believed. Oh, yeah. I, re- um, I remember that theory, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, okay. Oh, I forgot um, where I was now. So, yeah. So, they've, um, done, the, they've done the bet. They So, the bet is that uh, if, if Anakin wins, yeah. then uh, Qui-Gon gets gets his part and also the double or nothing wager he's done is that he also yeah. gets to free the child and take him with him yeah okay so at first he says okay. the oh if 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 i win on this wager then you free the child and his mother and then the the what is the name watto yeah watto the, Watto, flying, whatever, insect the, the flying insect thing yeah um he, at first he says no to, it's not worth two slaves. And rather than try and argue his case, Qui-Gon's just like, fine then, just a boy. Like, not giving two you-know-whats about the mother. I... Does, doesn't, gives up with no fight whatsoever. Like, so I like Qui-Gon. I, he seems like a nice guy. But showed absolutely no compassion whatsoever here. Completely, he only wants to find a means an end to his own means, you know? So he got what he wanted. He's like, uh, I just threw in the mother just in case. But no, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I've got the child. Great. Perfect. Okay. Counterpoint. Yeah. There's a deleted scene on this because I saw on when I was watching some Disney Plus on the extras, there's an extended betting deleted scene. And having watched that deleted scene, be thankful it was cut to the length it was. That's <laughs> what I'm going to say. Okay. Because that deleted scene drags... And doesn't like you think the dialogue's bad as it is. I mean, the dialogue is even more stilted and unnatural in that deleted scene. <laughs> well, they've already so, been on the planet for three hours at this point, for like three movie hours, like ten days at this point. So, as you noted earlier, this is uh, during these just before the race scenes. We do get the classic lines. Uh, we find out that Anakin was born via immaculate conception, apparently, from the mother. That was that was news yep. to me. So, so he doesn't so, have a father. She was, and she like she doesn't seem that concerned. She's like, yeah, just appeared one day. Oh well. <laughs> yeah, um, it's never really properly explained either, is it? Uh, it's never really explored in great detail in the films no. themselves. I think most of like the stuff that goes into this, you kind of have to, you know, really go into the weeds and read like the extended literature that um, bands and and like people who have been authorized to write novels about Star Wars have written. So uh, then um, after then after this, we do get the whole preparing the racer scenes etc oh, and we get the classic yeah. line which you said earlier which was the other child actor who is just as bad if not worse than the the main child actor in this film with the classic line and said exactly like this come on guys let's go play ball acting so, so, so um yeah it's it's anakin yeah preparing the pod and he goes it's working it's working as you noted earlier, here is where uh, Qui-Gon casually steals a child's blood uh, for reasons which are made clear immediately. His midichlorian rate is off the charts. Great bit of acting by you and here. I bet this is his proudest yeah. work. Also, also reduce, reducing the philosophical concept of the Force to, I don't know, just like they're like blood cells or something, I guess. Yeah, yeah something like that. This. This is a review with David Stone. And Ian Stone. I'm so tired. We've been going for so long in this film. And this is probably about the same point in the film as well, where I looked <laughs> looked at my the, the timer on my screen 
and I thought we must be over halfway through by now. We're only a third of the way through the film. We, we, you have all of the political intrigue yet to come. Oh my god! All of the god, boring we've, scenes in the Senate. We've had a, we've had enough. <laughs> we've had enough. Um, had enough. Well, you oh. suddenly realise that. Oh my god! I wish Jar Jar was back. Um, <laughs> right, the pod, the pod race. race yeah, god, yeah. Let's let's do it. I have views on the pod race. I so this is a bit nitpicky, but there are. Things about this pod race which make absolutely no sense to me whatsoever. First thing, watch out for Warwick Davis. As we go through this Odyssey, you will notice that he will pop up again in at least two to three other Star Wars films. Here's a Star Wars film um, uh, uh, cameo uh, uh, god. He's he's in he's in all of them. Um, at, in this film, he's one of Watto's you know lackeys or buddies or whatever. I don't know entourage. Um, didn't even notice. My first point is, for a high-octane high speed chase um, race thing, this was surprisingly dull. Um, in another uh-huh. review of Phantom Menace I've seen before, someone pointed out that a lot of the, a lot of the shots of the <laughs> pod races going by are from the exact same static camera, and they kind of come in from the left, and they go past the camera through the right, and they go around the corner. It's like watching... It's like a you know a static camera. If you're watching a Nehuam race, and they have the same camera on one of the corners, and you just watch the cars go by, and you watch the pods go by. Point number two, the speed and relative speed of these pods make pod races make absolutely no sense to me. Why is Sebulba a million miles ahead of Anakin Skywalker one minute? Anakin Skywalker within half a lap is suddenly right on Sebulba's tail. He then overtakes Sebulba, but he doesn't pull away. Sebulba then seems to catch up with him very slowly. Anakin stalls, and Sebulba bashes into him a bit, and then speeds off ahead. Anakin fixes his problem by, like, doing the classic uh, manoeuvre I think we all do in our vehicles of choice when things are breaking down, which is, like, flipping switches up and down, (laughs) pressing buttons and all. And then he'll catch up to him again, and then overtake him. I can provide an explanation for this. I can tell you why he kept catching up with Sebulba over and over again. It's because Did he Sebulba... use up his curse? No, it's, it's, be, it's, because, it's because whilst Anakin's sorting out all his mechanical problems and being behind the field, Sebulba is very, very busy murdering the rest of the field. That's what it is. <laughs> like this guy this, <laughs> this guy doesn't attempt to race at all he just constantly he spends his whole like he could try and win the race just by sheer skill but he doesn't bother like he's just he's just messing about just like oh this guy's getting relatively close to me better murder him now <laughs> you know what i mean like, that's what he's doing for the whole race he's like he doesn't even attempt to do anything remotely kosher at all he just he's just like oh well oh well this guy's this guy's getting within a lap behind me might as well murder him too okay to the point where literally only anakin finishes the race at the end spoiler alert but that's what happens funnily enough this pod race despite the fact it lasted forever like every other scene in this film i've written the least on this than anything i can read you my entire entire my entire notes here okay so First of all, I've pointed out the annoying commentators. What was the point of them? What did they add to the film? Okay, great. Get past um, Greg Proops needed a gig, is the answer to That's that. That's true. I like Greg. I like Greg Proops, to be honest, but we didn't need the commentators. 
Uh, <laughs> didn't he Jabba the Hutt as well? Another pointless cameo. Yeah, but who cares, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> point number two, uh, race lasting forever. Point number three, Sir Bulba, one of Sir Bulba's many murders. <laughs> where... He's very, it, it, it gets very wacky races where he what? kind of steams yeah. ahead and then like dick dastardly, instead of yeah. winning the race, stops. Yeah just so he can murder some people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So at this point, the one murder I did actually write a note on was the tiny the tiny lizard things, whatever, which makes the most hilarious oh, noise yeah. when he dies of... Like that. <laughs> okay. Um, so that this is when I pointed out that Sebulba's just murdering the rest of the field. Uh, uh-huh. I, I can't say the next note because there's a swear word in it, but it's basically <laughs> along lines, it's still going. Then I put, the child wins exclamation mark then another classic anakin line mom i did it great acting he also says yippee a lot oh god yeah there's so many yippees in this film jar jar does as well by the way that's how children talk and then my final well actually i then put that race was so long with another swear word can't put it in and then my final point was that i looked to the left of me keep in mind we're only about a third of the way through this film Isabel, my dear partner in crime, like I said to her, I said to her last night, Izzy, Ian wants to review this film for the show, which we're recording tomorrow. Do you want to watch it? She's like, okay, I'll give it a go. Fair enough. Right. I looked to my left. <laughs> you know, I, I, she, you know, she's like, it might be interesting. Little did she know. I looked to my left. She is fast asleep. Literally, she's like, <laughs> like the only reason, the only reason I'm awake is because I'm so angry and i'm writing notes on how angry i am and it is he's first asleep about by about about 10 minutes later into the film she's decided she's going to bed she can take no more of this nonsense but yeah that pod race lasted forever and i wrote the i wrote the fewest notes of that of anything it was probably one of the longest scenes in the film and again as you said something that's meant to be a high octane exciting part of the film it was so boring so he wins the pod race. They escape <laughs> the planet. Yeah. Finally, finally, Darth Maul appears and fights Liam Neeson in a very quick lightsaber battle. But at least yeah. Darth Maul's made like some kind of appearance. Oh, wait, um, actually, before before that, we get another piece of acting, which I've just got to note, which is, well, I've actually put here that everything is going for so long. Great. And I get another classic Anakin line where, I mean, child acting, I think I said, actually, whilst whilst Izzy was awake for the first 10 minutes of this film, I was um, I was saying to her that I think this was the film that made me hate child acting, because let's face it, some children are actually very good at acting. And to be fair, they're children, you know, they're not going to be polished straight away. But I think this <clears> film... They need to be well directed. This... And unfortunately, George Lucas is a terrible yeah. director of people. And this and, film, um, this film is the film that probably set me for life for ten years old for just not being able to tolerate any sort of child acting. It's maybe so biased. I'm so sorry, Children of the Earth. It's not you. It's no. It's not me either. It's it's this film. Lucas. It, yeah, it's this film. But for me. so we get we get a, <laughs> we get another line, which is you mean I get to go with you on your starship. Great, great acting. We have an emotional leaving scene, and as you say, we get Darth Maul. Yeah. Finally, the I only mean, this the apart from Liam Neeson's hair, the other only thing <laughs> that is good about this movie. Well, there are some okay. There's some good actors in this, and there are some 
okay performances, but they're so few and far between that, um, yeah, so much of this movie, as you say, is so wooden. And it's 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 nearly all the dialogue and the direction of, of the actors, because there are some really good actors in this. I know Natalie Portman is a very good actress. I mean, I know she is quite young in this. Really? What, okay. in, this um, what, in, in this film, are you saying she's a good actor? No, no, I'm saying in general she's a good actor. Oh, I was going to say, because... Film, she's not, no. For some reason... Do you know what? Re- she, <clears throat> she's fine when she's being her undercover self, but for some reason, when she puts on the makeup and the wardrobe, she then has to talk like this. Every line is like this. Why does Queen Amadala <laughs> have to talk in this way? And it's not just when Natalie Portman does it. It's when Kira Knightley talks like it in, as the decoy as well. But why does Queen Amadala oh. have to be such a bad actor when Natalie Portman for the rest of the film is actually oh. not bad? <laughs> it reminds me of something. Um, so, you know, um, Peter Serafinikwiz does the voice of Darth Maul. Yes. Yeah. And he has described how the direct got from George Lucas on, as, onto how to portray the character. So he went to George Lucas and said, George, how should I portray Darth Maul? George Lucas says, <laughs> just make him sound evil. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that kind of sums up. <laughs> so, Darth Maul so only that's... has about three lines, anyway. Well, yeah. Like, of, of all the, uh... That's the thing. Of all the of all the f- things that are wrong with this movie, George Lucas decided <laughs> that the thing that he has to outsource is Darth Maul's voice. Yeah, that's what I don't get. I, I'm going to. He has like I three mean, lines. I get to... I'm getting to this at the end, but since it's in my head now, I'll just say it now. The casting of this film and the subsequent prequels is all over the place. Some of the casting is pretty much spot on. Hugh McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi, less so this film, but he hasn't got much to do in this film. But especially in the later ones, spot on. Very good casting. Jake Lloyd as Anakin Skywalker, terrible casting. Hayden Christensen as Anakin Skywalker, abominable casting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, well, you, you've ruined... You've ruined what I was saving for the last, the last, we'll, we'll, go, we'll, we'll move back onto that later. Okay. Just, just yeah. keep that as a bookmark for now. Uh, right. Let, let, Ian, let's, let's, let's have a breather. Let's take a break. Right. This. Hello. This is a review with Ian Stone and David Stone. This is turning out to be the longest show of my life. And Ian, I don't know about yours. I mean, I hope it sounds good to be honest. Like for, Hopefully this is an entertaining show. Hopefully I've had a horrible time so that you out there in the universe <laughs> have had a good time because this, like, honestly, like my worst evening during lockdown, to be honest, it's like, I, my God. I'm doing okay, to be honest. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm fine. Well, Ian, we're just about halfway through the film, if that, and <laughs> this review is so long Sorry. and it's taking up so much of my life and it's, it's ruined me, quite frankly, but it's going to have to take up another show as well. So, oh my God. sorry, to, sorry to leave you on a cliffhanger, folks out there in the universe. A cliffhanger, by the way, that Star Wars did not leave us on. Nothing left us gripped, but hopefully this will be more gripping than that cliffhanger, guys. David, you have giant... to. Pardon. <laughs> the giant orb at the end that that did not leave you tense. But that's the very end. Don't spoil more. the. Don't spend. Don't ruin the end, Ian. Don't. <laughs> right. Just Go in case on. they do Go like on. the I'm cliffhanger. Yeah, right. Right. So we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to go for now. So stay tuned for the next part. 
of this epic review of Star Wars Episode 1, The Phantom Menace. Hopefully I'll have cooled down by then. Ta-ta.